Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So we're kicking off a new series, Inward and Outward, and uh, I'm super excited to, to get into this and we continually, from the beginning of this year, if you've been a part of any of our meetings um, thus far, you would know that we're busy focusing in on the Holy Spirit and specifically just the, what we've got in the Spirit and what His desire is for us in a, a specific sense, but also in a general sense. So inward and outward is what we're going to be focusing on. And we need to understand from the, from the get-go, just as a mean of introduction, what Jesus accomplished for us through his death, his resurrection, and what we obviously, we, we celebrate over Easter weekend, um, what he accomplished for us is more than just the inward. There is the inward, but there's also the outward. It starts with the inward, but we need to be conscious of, and this is what we're going to focus in a lot in this series, we need to be conscious of the outward he desires for us, and then also what the world needs to see, right? Because the world doesn't need to see the inward of the Christian, the world can't see the inward of what happened to the Christian. But the world can only see the outward of the Christian. And too many Christians are just settling for the inward, not really understanding and coming to know the inward, because if you understand the inward, there is going to be an outward. There is going to be an outworking, an outflowing of the inward. But we need to be conscious of and be agitated almost, frustrated with, when we don't see the outward that the Word of God is talking about. Right? It needs, to, it needs to agitate us, frustrate us when we as believers, as individuals, are not walking in all of those things. Meaning that if you've got a rock in your shoe, anyone ever had a pebble in their shoe and it's like, mm. how long do you walk with that pebble in your shoe? Do you just carry on? You'll stop wherever you are and you'll get that pebble out of your shoe. This series, I'm going to put pebbles in your shoes. I'm going to be purposeful about putting little rocks in your shoes and it's going to irritate you, it's going to agitate you. Not in an ungodly way, not in a way that you're going to sin or I'm sinning, but we need to be agitated, irritated with what the Word of God is talking about and our lack of maybe seeing that. I want to see the manifestation of the things in the book of Acts in my life. How am I going to see it? by purposing them, by pursuing them. Otherwise, we're just going to settle for the inward and hope for Jesus to come back soon because the world is getting worse and worse, so I don't want to be in this, this darkness. No, I want to be here because it's an opportunity for me to shine His light, to manifest His glory. Galatians 2.20 says from the Passion, My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of His cross crucified me with Him, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives His life through me. That is the Spirit. That's talking about the Spirit of God. He lives His life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loved me so much that He gave Himself for me and dispenses His life into mine. Now this does not automatically come to pass. This came to pass in this author's life, who is Paul. This life through me, the manifestation, 
came through Paul's life because he purposed it, because he pursued coming to know the inward transformation that took place to him. He came to understand that it was no longer him living. He was crucified with Christ, as he says. So there was an inward transformation, and then the outward came from that inward, but it's something we need to come to have a revelation of, come to awaken to. Romans 8, 19, like I said, the world is waiting. Romans 8, 19 says, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. What are they yearning for? They're yearning to see the unveiling. That means there's a veil over. There's a, there's a, a slumber. The Spirit of God is here. What Jesus accomplished, He accomplished. The inward has taken place in all of us in this room, if you've received Christ. But how much of the outworking of the Spirit of God are you seeing in your life? I'm going to put pebbles in your shoes, guys. I'm going to frustrate you. I'm going to irritate you with the Word of God so that we can get this pebble out of our shoes. If we don't understand our position in Christ, we'll never live out the victorious Christian life. So we're going to look at the inward. We're going to focus in on it this morning. Looking at being righteous. What does it mean? What does it entail? Because if we don't understand our position in Christ, we'll never live out the victorious Christian life. We'll never step out of the boat if we don't believe Jesus invited us onto the water. It seems simple. I'm, I don't want it to just go in the one ear and out the other ear. We will never step out of the boat like Peter did. We'll never step out of the boat if we don't believe that Jesus, the Son of God, invites us out onto the water. That's why many believers are living inside of the boat and they're like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. And guess what? With Peter, all of the other disciples that were with him in the boat, they also had opportunity to go out onto the water, right? But Peter is the one that engaged with Jesus and said, Jesus, if this is you, invite me out. And so the invitation came. So we will never step out of the boat and whatever that looks like. I'm talking about now, I'm not talking about starting that business. I'm not talking about any carnal dream that you've got. It's good to have dreams, have dreams. The purpose of the manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life is not for you. There's going to be times where it's for you, healing and those types of things. But most often than not, it is for the people who have not yet come to know the love of Christ that that is intended for. So when I'm talking about stepping out of the boat, walking on water, I'm talking about God's will for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. You will never step out in manifesting and, and bringing that to fruition in your life being a partake of that if you don't believe that Jesus has invited you to that. And that's why we're going to look at righteousness and our identity this morning. And what I'm going to do also is, we've got a whole list of I am statements. And uh, if you don't know what I am statements are, the word is full of declarations of who we've become in Christ. And we need to become more aware of who I am in Christ, what I've become in Christ, what I've been made in Christ, than what I've been brought up into this world. Your culture, your, 
your, your, your background, your experiences. That needs to become something of the past and you need to become more aware of, more concerned with, more persuaded by who you've been become and been made in Christ. And so we're going to send out that in this week. And uh, if you're part of a life group, you'll get that out on the life group list. And if you don't know what a life group is, please um, come and chat to myself, come and chat to Devin, chat to uh, someone off the church, ask them, what is life group? It's basically meeting up for midweek Bible study, um, praying together, growing together in the Word. And it's a way for us also to communicate these types of things to one another. It's really uh, uh, getting closer to and doing life together in a more intimate sense, not just Sunday gatherings, but also throughout the week. So please uh, consider becoming part of a life group. So we're going to send out those I am statements, and I want to encourage you, read through them and take this week, and it's, a, it's three pages basically of uh, scripture references talking about who you've become in Christ. And it's really important to, to read those things out and meditate on them and personalize them because it helps you come to believe them. Because they're true. They're true for you, they're true for me. But not all of us are experiencing truth, right? For various reasons, we might be experiencing or having a lack of experiencing truth and the freedom that the truth is intended to bring. So it really helps us when we read our things, we, we, we're sowing new seeds and we are rewiring, in a sense, old wiring that has been uh, taking place in our lives. That's why Paul encourages us to be transformed, Romans 12 verse 2, be transformed by the renewing, by the rewiring of your mind. Your mind is wired a specific way today. And these I am statements is intended to help you rewire your mind and how you see yourself. Because you cannot act in a way that is contrary to how you see yourself. You can maybe fake it for a little while, but you cannot act consistently with longevity in a way that is contrary to what you see yourself to be. Now that sounds like psychology, that sounds like uh, uh, philosophy, but that's the Word of God. Proverbs talks about this. As a man thinks in his heart so easy, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Guard your heart above all else because out of it flows the issues of life. The Bible is full of these statements talking about what we see ourselves to be, how we view ourselves. So to close the introduction in the series, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, His ministry inward and His ministry outward. So this morning, being righteous. Let's go to Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live and triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. This gift of righteousness, it's awesome to see that it's not just kind of... It's really awesome to see the link between this gift of righteousness and what it's about. And we're going to look at it a little bit this morning. This gift of righteousness is the Spirit of God that was given. That is the gift of righteousness that was given. Because it's by receiving the Spirit of God that we are made the righteousness of God. That we share in His righteousness. That we share in His likeness. This is the gift that we are receiving as we receive the Spirit of God. 
It's receiving His Spirit that brings about opposition in Christ. Now there's a very important understanding here with regards to position. Your condition will change on a regular basis. Your condition and your circumstances are going to fluctuate. They're going to be up and down. One moment you're going to flow in the gift of and the fruit of love and the next moment you're going to be very unloving. None of you this morning, just those who didn't come, they're the unloving ones, right? We, we, we flow in the gift of love 24-7 without a skipping a beat. I'm joking, I know that none, like none of us are, are able to do that because we still have carnality in us. Right? So it's very important to understand that God's desire for us is to know that we have a position in Christ and that position is fixed. Your position in Christ is fixed. It does not change. Your righteousness, your right standing with God is sealed 24-7. We're going to look at the seal. It's a fixed position. Your circumstances are going to change, but we cannot relate to God and have relationship with God based on our circumstances and our condition because then our relationship is going to look like a roller coaster. One moment you're going to be bold. The next moment you're going to be timid. One moment you're going to be confident to step out and pray for the sick. The next moment you're going to be like, ah, is God really going to minister through me today? The manifestation of the power of God and the gifts and abilities of God is not dependent on your lack of or your surplus of good works. But it's going to affect your confidence. So your condition and your circumstances, how you're living and how you're acting, is going to affect your heart. It is going to affect your confidence in whether God wants to or doesn't want to. He wants to, but you're going to doubt whether He wants to or not. When you relate to Him and you're building your Christian walk with God based on your circumstances, based on your position, based on your condition, which changes your actions, but we've got a fixed position in receiving the Spirit of God. You are righteous. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says that He will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got a fixed position in Christ. You're not getting rid of Him. The Holy Spirit's there to stay. He doesn't come and go. Now, what happens here in Romans 15 or 5.17? What happens here to those who receive His Spirit? The Word tells us, they will live and triumph over sin and death. What does that mean? Living in victory over sin and death. Receiving His Spirit. Firstly, when we see the word sin, especially in Romans, most of the time it's talking about the nature of sin, not the act of sin. And that's why a lot of people get confused when they read through Romans because they're like, man, it says that... <clears throat> I'm dead to sin, I'm no longer like, uh, bound to sin, I'm, I, I've overcome sin, but I'm still living in sin. Because the word is talking about the, the nature, your nature has changed. The sinful nature has been dealt with. So we need to understand that having victory and triumph over sin is talking about your sinful nature has been defeated. It's been crucified. What does crucified mean? It means dead. Only Jesus was resurrected after being crucified. Your sinful nature cannot be resurrected. It doesn't have power or authority. It doesn't have the backing of the word to be resurrected. So as Jesus was crucified, 
Your sinful nature has been crucified. It's been laid down. You've got victory and you're triumphing over sin by receiving the Spirit of God. And then, obviously, over death is one day we'll die, but we're never dying really, right? Because we're living on for all of eternity with God by having His Spirit. Romans, let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 24. I'll do a few verses from the easy-to-read version and then a few from the Passion. Verse 19. What the law says is for those who are under the law. It stops anyone from making excuses and it brings the whole world under God's judgment. Now, there's a few things that I'm not going to get into too much depth here. But firstly, we need to understand when we read the word law, in different places it means different things. Right? There's a general law, there's the law uh, of, of the books of Moses. Um, then there's a specific law, the Ten Commandments and the specific laws. So all in all, when we read the word law, generally we think Ten Commandments. Or we, but we need to understand what, and that's why church is awesome and it's supposed to uh, make you students of the word, not just kind of uh, vegetables of the word. Um, vegetables meaning you're just kind of taking it all in and you're never thinking for yourself. You're never asking questions. You need to ask questions. You need to consider what we're reading. We need to um, uh, ponder on the word. Think about the word. So first here, the law, I'm talking about those who are under the law. The law was given to a specific group of people at a specific time. To the Israelites, through Moses. Right, but that does not mean that the law hasn't got a place for us here today because it says it stops anyone from making excuses and it brings the whole world under God's judgment. What is God's judgment? God's judgment is that... Firstly, God's judgment is right and it's just. It's not unjust. But God's judgment is not in accordance with your holy living or your lack of holy living. God's judgment is do you believe in His goodness or don't you believe in His goodness? When you stand before God one day and He asks you, which He won't, why are you going to go into heaven? Why should I let you come into heaven? Some people one day, and this is the problem, most other religions in the world are trying to perform for a place in their heaven one day. The Muslims, it's a performance mentality. I need to do this, that, and next thing, and then I will experience heaven one day. Buddhists, it's good living as well. The more good I do now, the better my, my next life, my afterlife is going to look like. Christianity is the only religion that has a savior. He came to save you. He made a way for you. You don't need to make a way for yourself. That's the gospel, guys. But God's judgment is this. It's not a judgment of, did you do enough good deeds? Didn't you do enough good deeds? How many mistakes did you make? How many mistakes didn't you make? It's a judgment of, do Recording you believe in or progress. don't you? Do you believe or don't you believe on His goodness? Have you received His life? Verse 20, because no man can be made right with God. Say no man. So no man can be made right with God by following the law. The law only shows us our sin. So the law does not just show the Israelites their sin, even though it was given to them. The law is a standard of holiness, perfection. 
And if you measure yourself up to that law, you'll see you fall short. Anyone ever go to look at the law and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, and that's, oh man. Praise God for His grace, right? Praise God for His grace. The thing is this, oftentimes people try and go and adhere to and keep the law, forgetting that sin is not just the things you don't do, but sin is also the things that you should do, the good that you should do that you don't do. So the standard to live up to that is impossible. That's the point. The law is never something to try and keep to or try to live up to. Verse 21 shows us this. God has a way to make people right. Say, God has a way. To make people right, and it has nothing to do with the law. Say nothing. nothing. So it has nothing to do with the law. He has now shown us that new way which the law and the prophets, this is awesome, the law and the prophets, talking about Genesis to Malachi, told us about. So even though the law has got nothing to do with this, this is not talking about the actual things that the law showed you. Because now this seems contradictory. One moment it says the law has got nothing to do with this, and then the next moment it says, but the law and the prophets tell us about this. It's not contradicting one another. It's showing us specific things. The law that you would think of, of Moses that was given, Ten Commandments and the 600, 600 and other uh, laws, they've got nothing to do with God's way of making people right. But what the stories of Moses... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what they talk about, what the prophets talk about, what all of the other books to Malachi talk about, they talk about God's way of making us right with Him. And this is it. God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ, and everyone is the same. So whether Jew, whether Greek, this is God's way of making people right with Him. It's not by being born in a specific bloodline. It's not by being born in a specific time or place. It's one way, and it's through believing on Jesus. Verse 23 from the Passion says, For we all have sinned, say all have sinned, and are in need of the glory of God. Now the awesome thing is we looked at this in, a, uh, in another series. The glory of God is not something mystical. It's not out there. It's not kind of in heaven it's not the, the the booming voice from heaven the glory of god is the manifest presence of god which is what his spirit living in man and that's something to wrap our heads around because we think glory as something out there we think god's presence as something out there we think god's presence is at church sunday morning when the guitar starts playing when the piano starts playing then god's presence kind of just hops onto the scene no, God's presence is living on the inside of you. And the problem with a lot of Christians is they, they have a, a separation mindset, a separation mentality, going to the presence of God, going to the temple, going to the mountain. No, that was. There's a new way. And we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are God's address. Man, that is good news. And you became God's address not by your good works. You would never... Have enough good works to become God's address. You only become that address by believing on Jesus. Verse 24, Yet through His powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away His righteousness 
at something He gave away. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the Anointed One, has liberated us from guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Again, that power of sin. We've got victory over sin. And we also now, and this is super important, like I talked about, knowing that our position in Christ is set, it's fixed. If we don't know this, we'll always feel guilty and we'll always feel like we're going to be punished. And someone that is guilty, have you ever seen, maybe in your relationships, you see this in movies and obviously actors are just kind of acting something out, but if someone is guilty, it shows. When someone is fearing punishment, it shows. If it's a, a, a dog is always a good example. If a dog did something wrong, you can see, like, you've seen those videos, or if you don't have a dog, if it ate up your couch, and you come to it, it knows, like it knows. Tail between the legs, like it knows this, this was wrong. In our lives as well, if we have a fear of punishment and guilt, if we don't understand our position in Christ and what we've received, this gift of righteousness, it will show in how you live and how you live your day to day and how you minister to the sick and how you minister to the stranger at the cashier, at the petrol station, at the mall. It will show. We need to become convinced of our righteousness, our position, our right standing with God. Because His Spirit is living inside of us. That's going to give us boldness and confidence to minister when there's a need, when there's an opportunity. This gift of righteousness goes against what most of us have been brought up to believe, right? If you've been brought up in church, most of us, I don't know anyone in this room who's been brought up to believe this message of the gift of righteousness. That's a free gift. It's not by your works. It's not by your performance. It's not by, by, by what you've done, what you haven't done. It's not by how good you've lived in accordance with the law. It's completely by His unmerited grace and mercy that you get to receive this free gift. It's amazing how people have made the free emphasis, the free gift, emphasis gift, something that we need to work for, something we, we need to perform for, like in a circus. But nowhere do we see the word circus in the, in the word, but we see the word family. Family, community, relationship. That's what God desires of us. Now, what is the difference? Where, where does the, as they say, where does the, the rubber meet the tar? It's in believing that this is your reality. Isaiah 54 verse 14 says this, In righteousness shall you be established. You shall be far from oppression. Say far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear. Say not fear. And from terror for it shall not come near thee. This is awesome. In righteousness, in this right standing, this is your reality. You will not, you'll be far from oppression. You will not fear. And we see this reality. We see this, this prophecy in manifestation in 2 Timothy 1.7, talking about God's Spirit. Because I've already now established that the righteousness that we've received, the gift of righteousness is His Spirit living in man. 
That seals your position in Christ. His Spirit living in you. That is your right standing. That is your positional relationship that we need to have and come aware of. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given us righteousness that produces fear. He's given us righteousness that produces power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's a mind free from oppression. That's love that is unconditional. And that is power that goes beyond the natural forces of this world. Acts 1 verse 8, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, so that you will be my witnesses. The empowering is intended to bring about a manifestation of witnessing. Now you are a witness, whether you believe it or not. But guess what? Depending on whether you believe it or not will show what the manifestation is going to be. That is why it's important to come to believe this. And how do you come to believe something? How do you come to believe something? Hearing is good. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and the continual hearing. It's continuation. Because if you hear something once, what happens tomorrow? You hear something else. The day thereafter, you hear something else. The world is continually speaking to us. The world is continually sharing information with us. Cultures. There's so many, we talked about this, there's so many causes that the world is throwing at us. Fight for this cause, stand up for this, stand up for that, do this, do that. Man, it's got the Christian church running around trying to beat out this fire, trying to beat out that fire. Why don't you just deal with the thing causing the fire? It's silly, you're trying to like change the fruit on the tree, change, snip it off, snip it, but the root's not changing. The laws of this world is not going to change the world. The hearts of people will change the world. Jesus came to change the hearts of people. When the the Jews saw Jesus coming in and they they read about his prophecies and there's this new king, this new priest, he's going to overthrow this and he's going to do that. They thought about him coming to physically overthrow the Roman Empire. But he did not come to do that. He came to bring about a message intended to change the hearts of men. And give men new hearts. Taking the heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. Giving them his spirit, his life, his power, his love. Romans 4, coming to a close. Romans chapter 4, verse 6 to 11 from the Passion says, Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness. Say complete wholeness. So he speaks to us regarding, this is King David, the complete wholeness that comes inside, say inside. So wholeness starts inside before it can manifest outside. This inside, now I'm not talking about biologically or um, emotionally speaking, but I'm talking about spiritually speaking. It starts with a spiritual awakening first. Inside a person, excuse me, inside a person when God's powerful declaration 
of righteousness is heard over our life. This is amazing. So complete wholeness, this, this manifestation of love, soundness, power, free from guilt, free from oppression, all of this comes as we come to believe and hear about this righteousness. Apart from our works, so this righteousness is apart from our works. God's work is enough. Say enough. So this means that Jesus, what He accomplished was enough. What Jesus did through His death, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Spirit is enough. Say, enough. Enough means complete. It means fulfilled. Hence Jesus saying, and it is complete. Jesus came to fulfill. When He said He came to fulfill the law and the prophets, and He did not come to abolish... He meant he brought about completion. Meaning that he was the full stop of what it all was speaking about. Who has the last say? You or God? It's not a trick question, guys. Some of you are wondering, is it me, is it God? Jesus accomplished for us. Death, resurrection, spirit poured out. Receive the spirit, full stop. How do you receive his spirit? You believe. By believing you become, you are made his righteousness. You receive his fullness. You are complete. As David said, the complete wholeness. Verse 7, here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them. I will never hold your sins against you. Now think about it. Does this happiness come only to the Jews or is it available to all who believe? Our answer is this. Faith was credited to Abraham as God's righteousness. So faith was credited to Abraham as God's righteousness. So he was declared God's righteousness. How did he receive this gift of righteousness? It's a good question to ask because the same way he received it is the same way we receive it. Because God hasn't changed in his desire, in his will, and the availability of that. Was he circumcised at the time God accepted him or was he still uncircumcised? Good question. Let's see. Clearly he was uncircumcised, Gentile, when God said this of him. Verse 11, it was later that he received the external sign of circumcision as a seal to confirm, highlight seal, highlight confirm, that God had already transferred his righteousness to him by faith. So it already took place before all of this, before circumcision, while he was still uncircumcised. So now this qualifies him to become the father of all who believe among the non-Jewish people. And like their father of faith, Abraham, God also transfers his righteousness to them by faith. So I said, highlight, seal, and confirm. Where else does this word seal come up? Where else is this reference of a seal? There's many places. One of them being the, 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 the seal of the ring that the, the, the prodigal receives when he returns uh, from all of his uh, righteous living. Not righteous, as in uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> other, other spelling of righteous. Right, like, it's a tongue twister. It sounds very similar. 
Um, you can go read about it in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 15. But in Ephesians 1.13, we see the same seal talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. So we see David also writing about this, hearing about God's righteousness. So it's something that we hear about. The gospel is something that needs to be heard. Without the preaching, Romans 10 talks about this, how can they hear without a preacher? That is why we go out to minister the gospel to people. In whom you also, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, so the gospel of your salvation is the word of truth. The word of truth is not 500 different things. The word of truth and what Jesus came to declare is one thing. It's the gospel of your salvation. Only one thing leads to the Spirit of God living in man, and it's hearing the gospel, hearing about the grace of God. In whom also, here it comes, after that you believed, as Abraham, after he believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, after Abraham believed, he received a sign, right? And the sign was circumcision. Now, praise God, there's different things in the Bible that are types and shadows of something, right? It, it, is, it is symbolisms pointing to a, a fulfillment yet to come. Some of you guys are lost, or so some of you are like, what's happening here this morning? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Romans 2.29. So this seal of the Holy Spirit is not as much a sign as it is a fulfillment of what God desired from the beginning. Romans 2.29 shows us this beautiful picture of linking it back to the circumcision of Abraham. It says, But you are Jewish because of the inward act of spiritual circumcision. So this is beautiful. We are all, in a sense, we've become the new Israel. Now, without becoming mystical and like, the nation of Israel and the Jews. This is a, a metaphor. The Bible often talks about metaphors. God does not care about whether you're Jewish, whether you're African, whether whatever like people group you are from. God cares about one thing. God's interested in one thing. One thing pleases Him. Faith. Not faith to move mountains. Faith believing in Jesus. So Romans 2.29, but you are Jewish because of the inward act of spiritual circumcision, a radical change that lays bare your heart. It's not by the principle of law, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. For when or for then your praise will not come from people, but from God Himself. The Holy Spirit is our confirmation. The Holy Spirit is our circumcision. Where the heart has been cut. The old nature has been cut off. Without getting too graphic, you can't undo circumcision. Once it's done, it's done. Your spirit has been cut. Old nature has gone, new nature has come. That nature is righteous, holy, blameless. Now, this is something super important in light of the Spirit of God because He is our righteousness. He is our seal. 
continually reminding us of this, and we'll get into this next week. The Spirit of God is continually reminding us of this position because if we don't understand this position, if we don't believe this position, we will not be bold and confident in ministering to the sick. We will not be bold and confident in creating opportunities to share the gospel to people we know hasn't heard the gospel before. I saw this even um, this, this past week, Friday, as we were going out and ministering on, on Tigerberg. Um, there were moments where I was bold and confident, and then there were moments where I wasn't bold and confident. Some of you are thinking, wow, Etienne. <laughs> Thank you for thinking so highly of me. There's moments where it's just like, it just, it flows and it's amazing and it goes. And then there's moments where it doesn't flow as much. There's, there's resistance and there's, there's doubt. And it all boils down to this one thing. Do I believe that Jesus has invited me out onto the water to be a partaker in making His kingdom a reality on earth? For every individual that I see, every, every soul, every living being, desires for the sons of God, that's you, that's me, to manifest the glory of God. And that glory is His Spirit. And God desires for that Spirit to live in each person that you'll ever meet. Each person you'll ever meet, without a doubt. I don't have to overthink this. Each person you'll ever meet has got a spiritual position. It's either righteous or it's not. It's either filled with God's Spirit or it's not. And you get to, not you have to, you get to be a partaker with God and depositing His Spirit in man. Man, that's a privilege. If you don't see it as a privilege, you'll never be a partaker in that. If you see it as a burden, as a law, as something you have to do, you probably never do it. Because working for God versus working with God changes everything. We're not called to serve. You're called to sonship. And as a son, you get to serve. As a daughter, you get to serve God. You get to serve His body. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.